Thank you, Dennis. Well, good morning, saints. Good to be with all of you. I know we have, um, it's been a few weeks since we've, we've been, been here, kind of battled through some sickness and some unexpected um, um, ailments and things like that that kind of um, kept us at home in a way. Uh, we don't like to expose people to our sickness. So at any rate, um, so good to be here. I have a lot to share with you. Um, now, the topic that you see in front of us, I am going to only pull out certain points here. Um, uh, this is a, an actual book that I'm writing um, on process that a lot of us are familiar with. But over the last seven weeks, the Lord has really opened up what I'm going to share with you to me in a very, very personal, dynamic way. And I've the things I'm going to share with you are things that I, I would have never known had I not walked through these last seven weeks. And I have to tell you that I am stunned by the insights that the Lord shared with me through this process. And, you know, the truth be known, there are some things in Scripture that we read that can be very, very difficult to know the meaning of, of, of them, okay? And, and, and one of the things that, that I had um, really, it, it wasn't a struggle, but I really didn't um, have a grid to be able to know the meaning of it until I started walking through some of these things. And, I, and I'll get to that momentarily. But um, over the last 10 days or so, um, I, I have had the privilege to spend some time in Florida. And I, and I originally, I was going to be taking this time um, seven weeks ago where I had set aside a couple of weeks that I needed to take with my previous employer and due to the uh, circumstances that occurred, the layoff, I had to cancel that journey. Man, I was so disappointed because I had carved out that time to, I knew the Lord had set me on a path, but I had, uh, that, that was a curveball, the layoff. So I, I was going to go there, spend time. I knew I needed to start writing again. I feel the urgency to do that on this topic. And so I was very, very disappointed. And as I, as I continued to think about it, it was not that the Lord said this was not going to happen. It was just a timing issue. Boy, we can really miss it with things like that because the timing of things, <laughs> I knew that I was still going to do it even though I didn't know how it was going to materialize because Annette and I are kind of, we, we talk quite a bit and we're, we're really close to some degree. And so she was like, are you sure you're not still supposed to come? I mean, I knew she wasn't questioning me, but I told her, I said, you know what? I will be coming. It's just not the right time. So it, being able to discern timings <laughs> and seasons, I mean, this is going to be a continual process for all of us. Um, you know, I know Pastor... <laughs> He he talked about the uh, you know the discerning the the signs with uh, the backdrop you know with the current um, speech and I was listening to that and that's so 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 important. It's amazing to me how people can discern the face of the sky. It's so apparent. I mean, it's right there in front of your face. But when it comes to discerning the signs of the times, people are absolutely morons. They're moros. They're ignorant. I mean, we were too, you know. I mean, let's, let's be honest. I didn't really think about timing much 20 years ago. <laughs> I, I really didn't think about signs. So this morning what I want to do is I, I, I want to share some snippets of something that has just absolutely revolutionized me during this time frame. I mean, I'm, the things that I'm going to share with you, even last night, 
flying in, you know, coming into the, back into Dallas, the Lord was still continuing to share some things about in Exodus 33 with me that I, <laughs> and this is what, this is the whole print. And pastor, I, I will, you know, I always try to give credit where credit's due. Pastor has written a lot from this passage and I even let him know what I was going into prior to leaving. He already knew this and had already been sharing some things too. Um, and one of the things he shared on, on the message from uh, Exodus 33 weeks ago really, really helped a great deal with what I'm going to share. Um, and, and when I say these things, I have to, uh, you know, God knows every detail about our lives. I mean, and I want us to think of it in terms of when you when your life seems to be in absolute turmoil and chaos, he knows every minute detail and how things are supposed to happen. And there's no need to I have to say, this last seven weeks, Stress has presented itself. <laughs> Frustration has presented itself. But I have really not been stressed out because before any of this, even before the layoff, the Lord was prophetically telling me things that were getting ready to happen. Now, he didn't specifically say, you're going to get laid off, but he was preparing me and letting me know he was. I was getting ready to enter into a time frame with him and, and give, be given insights that were coming that would help me later on be able to look back. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm amazed at how we just have to have his perspective in everything we do. When he says, take no thought for tomorrow, don't be anxious about anything. But if you are, make sure that prayer and supplication take precedent in the midst of your anxieties. But we do not need to worry. You know you know how easily we do that, though? I mean, anything can just cause us to go into a, a tizzy. Or he, he really has everything under control. I know it doesn't seem that way. Lord, yes, but, you know, do you know I'm laid off? Or do you know I don't have a job? Do you know I don't... I don't it's like we say these things and we, we rehearse them to the one that already knows it's already happened and he's already got it mapped out of how he's going to get us to where we need to be in a point of fulfillment. But he still lets us go through some of the... But all the while he's thinking, I told you not to do that. <laughs> I told you not to be anxious about that. I told you not to worry. You know, I, I, I feed the, the fowls and, and the the sparrows and all these things, and you're better and have greater value than any of those things. But yet, what do we do as humans? Our human side says we just get all uptight and anxious, and we think God's left us, and he's, he's just run away, and he's, he's fallen asleep. We think all these thoughts, and the whole time, he's still meticulously, actively working in the midst of all of our anxiety, in the midst of all of our frustration, and he's there for us. When he says, I will never leave you, that's what he means. We can trust him. Because he's, he's never changing. And so, one of the passages that's always given me a, a challenge has been this thing with Moses. <laughs> There's some, these are some deep, deep principles. And the part that's always kind of, I really, you have an understanding of it, but this is a deep, deep bathos type dive where you're so deep in him that sometimes it feels like your breath is being taken away, but you come up just enough time to get a, 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 some, some oxygen and then he plunges you deep back into this thing. And, and, and the bathos of what I'm referring to is the bathos, the depth of his heart. It's limitless. It's endless. And being in that place with him, 
is very personal and it's customized for every single one of us. And so this past weekend, the Lord gave a dream to kind of kick off how I, I, I was able to share a couple of instances with our, our saints in Florida. And he gave a dream that led to, and I'm going to share this to kind of launch us into, and then it was a dream last night that I'll, I'll go into as well. But the dream was this. And when I say this first term, everybody should think immediately. I was seated around a table. Okay? It was, you know, this shape, whatever it is. A smushed circle. What do you call that shape? Oval. There we go. I don't, it wasn't the Oval Office. Thank God. It, well, some of the things occurred. It's probably coming from the Oval Office, but I was here. There was a person directly across from me that used to be here many years ago, and they were there. They were not, I did not see any visual um, anger or frustration, nothing negative, nothing demonic, nothing like that. They were just there looking straight at me. To my left, Pastor was seated in a chair. He was, he was there in the dream to be present and as an observer, just a witness type thing to my right was nobody initially and on the other end there was someone else that was I didn't see their face you know the Lord didn't let me see who that was but I knew that they were with us um, so you, you see the configuration and all of a sudden I'm speaking to this person that used to be with us very much connected and bound by bound to what God was doing here and then all of a sudden, I look to my right, and the husband of this person comes in and sits down beside me. Now, I'm talking to the other person, and they're listening. There's nothing that would indicate that they are not open to what's being declared to them. And then all of a sudden, the person on the right side, the husband, starts just, well, that's not right. That's not what this is. And, just, and then he starts spitting on me. I mean, I'm like, okay, so now this is totally changed. And so I woke up from that that morning, and on the way to the drive to the, the Sparrows Church, thinking about this, and all of a sudden, table starts, you know, just in my thoughts. And immediately after that, I knew that we need to be very careful. The thought came of who we fellowship with around the table. And so that morning, on the way to church, I'm putting all this stuff together, the, the actual teaching <laughs> about our koinonia, our fellowship. Now, you guys should remember many months ago, or weeks, months, I can't remember exactly, that was a message that Pastor released to us, um, our, our, our fellowship. And so I did a total study in a matter of 30 minutes on the way to a service and jotted things down. And that, I shared that with... The, the 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 Florida people there now I'm, I'm really using this to get into the topic here of how so important in our waiting where we should be fellowshipping and where our focus needs to be and if we can keep that in alignment that will greatly assist us in the midst of our waiting I think we I think we get that out of kilter sometimes because when we're waiting on something Man, we are the most impatient people on the planet. And, and I want to go, I'm, I'm going into great detail about this in the book. Because waiting is a very much, it, it's everywhere we go at some point throughout the day, there is an apostolic quality <laughs> that the Lord is trying to ingrain in all of us. And... I, I taught that. Now, that's the key. Our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son. Not with the Father and with children. It's connected to the fatherhood and sonship in, in, in those relational principles. So last night, and I had a lot of discussions with Pastor Larry and Vicki. It was really good to be able to just to sit down and just talk. 
and we were we were just chatting about how so many people that used to be with us are no longer and why that is we were just discussing things you know we talked about you know, I mean, I, you know name any names but you guys can um, imagine who used to be with us there and how people just they lack commitment they lack a devotion to the mission at hand on one hand they can say oh man when I first came here oh this is what I've been waiting for all my Six months later, they're off on another mission out in the hills of North Carolina amongst the prophets out there. <laughs> this was a couple that used to, first time here, that's what they said. How does that happen? How do you go from this is what I've been waiting for, this, and then you, you jettison and you leave and you go out in the mountains away. And so who's confused there? So we, we were just discussing that. So last night in a dream, I was conversing back and forth with another person <laughs> that used to be here. They were very much here. And I heard this individual saying to me in a question form, I saw them. I know I know exactly who it is. And 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 it's it's them plus who uh, it represents people that we're, we're, we're here with us and very much in the flow. And this person said, you know, do, what, do you really think that we've missed the mark? Do you think we've, we've kind of got off the pathway? And I heard myself say, yes, very emphatically. And I said, and I heard myself saying, and Pastor tried to give counsel and advice. And, and that was the exchange going on. And then they turned and they said, well, trying to justify their actions. You know, I'm summarizing the dream. So they were trying to justify why it is that they no longer, and I even heard them say, and, you know, we're, we're not going to, this is some of the reasons why we're not going to be associating with the ministry of the saints anymore. They, they've already done that. And so the dream ended. So here's two things, one while I was in Florida and one coming back to Dallas. And I'm only referencing that because the table that we eat from, the Lord has one table. And he wants all of his people, his, his intent is for to have one table that everybody can, eats off of. You guys want to understand where I'm going? One cup. He doesn't have multiple cups. These other cups that are out there, they're cups of, of demonic beings. They, they're, they're drinking. Some are gulping. There's no drinking. I mean, they are gulping demonic Kool-Aid. You know what I'm saying with that? And so with that in mind, I leaped into the next message about waiting on the fulfillment of God. And I've got, I know I've got a short amount of time here, but I wanted to kind of set the stage for and it's so important that we remind ourselves that, that we, we fellowship at the table. Our koinonia is at his table. It's in the presence of enemies, but I'm not really focused on the enemy side here. I'm focused on what we need to remember is to, is to not ever forget that principle. Because when we start to forget, we will be like King Saul. That was the thing that was the killer. Something, it's in that, right? I heard that earlier too. It kind of, it's making that, that's, where, that's the source, that's the source of the sound. So we don't, we don't want to end up like King Saul where we forget to make supplication in the midst of challenges while we're waiting. He was waiting on who? Samuel. And in the midst of the waiting, he decides, oh, it's not happening quick enough. I'm going to make this thing happen. And when he does, what did he do? He forgot to make supplication. And as he did that, then the Lord said, I'm taking the kingship away from you. Now, thankfully, we are in the covenant of grace. But that same principle can happen to us. If we repeatedly forget to make supplication in the midst of the waiting towards fulfillment, 
this could things can be stripped away from us too. I, it's it's sad, and I'm not trying to paint this dire picture because we're going to see some incredible things that take place in the waiting. Now, waiting cannot be associated to the way we think it means. Okay, God's now we're going to see. When God mentions the term wait on the Lord, it has nothing to do with the way we interpret it from a human standpoint. And that's where I want to begin this. The term waiting here is the Hebrew word um, kawa, Q-A-W-A. Now, when I say this, you immediately should be thinking. It means to bind together together. <laughs> By twisting. <laughs> Man, uh, it can also, in another instance, mean to collect, but it also means to expect something. <laughs> now, you think about this. When you're in that grocery line and there's 15 people in front of you and you're waiting, the last thing on your mind is thinking that anything is going on at all, right? We think waiting means nothing's happening. Now, look at this. When waiting is referenced in this term, there is a binding together, a tight twisting that he is doing in us, and there's an expectation internally that we can feel while we are waiting on the road toward fulfillment. That's incredible. So, Think about all the times during the day that you wait. Sometimes we're a little bit more patient. <laughs> Others, we are just, like when I'm waiting on my unemployment check to come in, and it's taken seven weeks, y'all, seven weeks to get the first one. But you know what? Do you think I was frustrated? Absolutely. Do you think I was? I was very much so. But God allowed that to happen so I could get a lump sum of four weeks that just was deposited about three or four days ago. Well, two, two or three days ago. And God already knew that my, I, I got an offer letter. I accepted the job going to work for the federal government, mind you. For <laughs> I, He... He's working all things out for our good. And we just need to learn to discern the steps along the pathway, the steps of the plan that he's mapped out. And I was supposed to start on the 12th, and the security clearance, the PIV card, the badging, and all that stuff takes a little bit longer than they had expected, so they pushed it forward a week. And I'm supposed to start on the 19th. So look at, look at God, what he's doing there, okay? He said, you know what? I know you've been very frustrated because you have not had any money. Don't worry about it. I'm working on it. No problem. I'm using this situation in order to teach you more about waiting and what I'm doing and how I am actively working. He doesn't stop while we're in the waiting. He is actively working on our behalf. Remember, he's binding us together so tightly He's creating an expectation, and I guess that's kind of what I've been feeling, too. Is Remember I told you I wasn't real stressed out? But in the midst of the waiting, he's been sharing tidbits while I've been in the cleft of that rock. And we're going to get to that in a moment. There, there are some powerful things that I'm, I've, I've learned that I could not have done this had I not walked this path. And I know I'm kind of going all over the place, but waiting. And so I started... This was another uh, quick study on the way <laughs> to a prayer time or whatever in the back seat. And on, um, but what are we waiting on? That's key. In the midst of this, this binding, so I, I, I've started looking at even the binding and loosing, binding of the strong man, principles. Then I start looking at prayer and supplication, what uh, deamai, deasis, dea, all the roots and derivatives. It's all there. Now I'm not gonna I'm not gonna all try to try to rewrite all of that. Pastor's done a ton of that, but 
the connectives are there, binding together and being bound. Paul, this is a verse that I'm going to share about this binding. In the New Testament, Paul was forewarned before going to Jerusalem that things were going to be happening, right? Paul said, I am bound in the pneuma. Bound in the breath of the Lord, I know to go to Jerusalem, to go to this place, even though I have no idea what's going to befall me there. But he said, none of these things move me. We can we cannot make that declaration by ourselves. He was bound to the breath of the Lord, and that's how we can endure this, is only by the breath. And that's that same word for binding. It's really powerful. And so I started thinking about waiting on the plan, waiting on Yahweh. So Psalm 27 says this. This is so powerful. It's very personal. Teach me your Derek. Teach me the pathway, O Yahweh, that relates to the plan. He's specifically asking for the next part of the the design, the divine design to be shown. Yeah, we've got, we need that. We, as we're waiting, it's always going to be connected to the plane. Then he said, lead me in a plain path. Lead me down this straight and even pathway because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over to the will of Hamas, which is the violence and all the, all the things we see in our, in our world. For false witnesses are risen up against me and such they breathe, breathe out cruelty. And then this is the famous verse we all know. I had fainted unless I had a mind to see or ra'ah, the tobe of the plan. We have a responsibility in the midst of this to discern the parts of the plan that are being revealed to all of us in the midst of enemy forces in this passage. This is all about waiting. And it's done in the land of the living, not the land of the dead. He's talking to people that are alive in this earth. And then he says, wait, Kawa, on my plan, Yahweh. Waiting does not equal inactivity. <laughs> and he has driven this home inside me so deeply during this time frame of seven weeks. He knows, when I say he knows every minute detail, he does. You know this. But this is a depth that I had never, never uh, walked in. This is the second time around, and it's, it's much different this time. And so here I am waiting. And then he says, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Kawa, I say, on my plan. So what are we waiting on? In the midst of this binding together so tightly, what are we waiting on? Each other? Circumstances? Nope. It's the eternal plan. Now, so after reading this one, immediately Isaiah 40 comes to mind. Now, I'm not going to spend a ton of time here because I need to get over to Exodus 33. But Isaiah 40 says this. We know the other parts, but I read the first couple of verses leading up to this. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest thou, O Israel, my Derek, my pathway, or the road that I am on is hidden from the plan? And my judgment is passed over from Elohim, or the heart of God. The, the, Jacob and Israel were, were declaring that, oh, our path is hidden, you know, he, he, from the Lord. It's not, he doesn't even recognize it. Or, and they were making uh, incorrect assessments or evaluations of what was going on. Boy, we better be careful about this, right? In the waiting. And then he says, hast thou not known, have you not heard that the everlasting Elohim, the Yahweh, the creator of the ends of the earth, faints not, neither is weary. Why? It seems like it's almost out of place, right? Unless you are in a waiting point in the Lord and you don't know what the next part of the plan is. 
That's what you feel like. That's the that's the tendency we might have is, oh, well, God doesn't know. He doesn't see me. I'm hidden. My plan, my pathway. Oh, he doesn't know what I'm facing. All these things come up, and he's saying, no, no, no. Haven't you heard? I'm the everlasting Elohim. I'm, I'm the creator of the ends of the earth. I'm not fainting like you do. I'm not... I'm not affected by weariness like you. So, translation, I'm busy working on your behalf to reveal the next part of the plan. That's an amazing sequence there. And he says, there's no searching of his understanding. And I think I left out the verse. Yep, I did. Verse 29. And immediately after that, he starts to go into this process of, I call them the benefits in the waiting. They are major benefits. One of the writers to, to one of the Psalms said to forget not all his benefits. And he starts to list even some further ones there. But the ones that Isaiah focuses on, the first one is the renewing of Koach strength. But it's all linked to waiting on the plan. You see the activity of what he's trying to do in us? He's wanting to bring a renewal of co-op strength on the inside of us that we didn't know before. How We don't need to think he's not moving. I don't think any of us think this, but there's a depth to this that is beyond what we've known. Benefit number two. <laughs> Mounting up with wings like eagles. Now, I immediately start looking at eagles. And this mounting up is being able to... These are spiritual principles here. Mounting up means you're, you're able to, to ascend above everything that's going on around you in this realm here. You have an aerial bird's eye viewpoint that you don't have when you're on the ground level also involved in this is obviously the wind if you're if we're being if we're give, being given spiritually wings of eagles we need the wind in order to rise above you cannot there's never been an eagle able to they can fly but they can't really soar until they get in the wind and they use the wind to their advantage now, I started looking up characteristics of eagles. Man, this is incredible. There's written uh, some of the things about, um, I remember one of the aspects of the eagle, when they get old and they get ready to, they start to lose their, um, <laughs> their, their younger feeling, they'll retreat and they'll start to just, you know, break off their beak and all these different things and tear off their talons and pluck their own feathers and in order to extend their, their life and longevity. I mean, it sounds crazy. But another interesting characteristic, and I'm not going to go over all these. I've got several here. Involves nurturing and mentoring their young ones. And I'm bringing this in because of the context of what, what's written here about the young and the young men here that Isaiah focuses on. Now, this is the way the eagle trains the eaglets. <laughs> Stay with me here a minute. This is powerful. Research has shown, and I'm reading from, a, from an, uh, some articles that I read, that no member of the bird family is more gentle and attentive to its young ones than the eagles. And this is how it happens. When the mother eagle sees that it's time to teach the eaglets how to fly, here's what she does. Notice timing. It's not right when they or they're born because the eagle recognizes they're not ready. She gathers an eaglet onto her back and spreading her wings flies high. Suddenly swoops out from underneath the uh, uh, eaglet and allows it to fall. What mother would do that to their eaglet? I mean, seriously, you're thinking, okay, and as it falls, it gradually learns, 
gradually learns <laughs> what its wings are for. Until the mother catches it once again. The process is repeated. If the young is slow to learn or cowardly, she returns to the nest, <laughs> begins to tear it apart until there's nothing left for the eaglet to cling to. Then she nudges him off the cliff. What a process of a characteristic of an eagle. Nurturing and mentoring the young ones. Now, when you, when you continue to read this, in light of what Isaiah is saying, this is one characteristic. And so I'm thinking all kinds of things. I'm thinking about this is the same process that Jesus said to do, to teach, rinse and repeat. Same process. <laughs> it's, it's amazing to me. This is how we've tried to train and mentor young ones here. <laughs> it, it makes no sense to the, to the human eye, but it's the process. So really think about that, that characteristic. Mounting up with wings. It has other qualities too. The eagle can, now this was, in, I, I didn't know this about the eagle. The eagle can spot another eagle 50 miles away. They have vision that is off the charts. Hello? Our God has that same type of vision and he's given it to us, his body, to represent his vision his eyes in the earth, right? So many times people read the eyes of the Lord. Well, yeah, but the eyes of the Lord, eyes are part of his body. Keen vision. Not only that, but they have this sense to be able to, they are, fear, eagle, an eagle is fearless, and they are ferocious and can be very aggressive, almost to the point where if they, they're on the top of a mountain looking down, they're always, always looking left to right, left to right, looking up above to see prey. They don't eat dead meat. They only eat raw meat that they've killed themselves. <laughs> Strong meat belongs to them that are what? There's some principles here that are so deep that, I mean, this encourages me to know that and mounting up, does, it just doesn't speak to the wind. It speaks to how we hunt spiritually and how we need to take responsibility to go out and find our own meat and not be so dependent on the leader. There's too many churches that are just dependent on, uh, they're acting like little birds in the nest, right? Birds in the nest every Sunday, and they are so full, and they're not even taking what they're given and growing in it, and they just want to be fed all the time. You can't be an eagle and be fed all the time. Eventually, that nest is going to be torn to pieces, and it's going to push people out of its comfort zone over the cliff, and they're going to either fly or die. They choose. They're going to learn to fly real quick. I've already taught you this thing. I'm going to reteach it again, I'm on, and I'll rinse and repeat. But you've got to do it at some point on your own. What's interesting about when they're, when they're hunting, though, I kid you not, there were some go uh, um, small mountain goats on the side of a mountain. Watch the video of this. Never seen this before. On the side of a mountain, and the eagle far away spots the prey, swoops down and goes and pulls the goat off the side of the mountain, pulls the big goat, huge goat, off the mountain. It tumbles down, falls, and next thing you do... The, the, the eagle flies down over its prey, spreads its wings and flaps them, you know, saying, here's, catches its own meat and starts to eat. That's pretty amazing. Now, uh, one other thing I'll say about the eagle, 20 minutes left or a little bit more, is they are, they have the keen vision. Let me look at my notes here just to make sure that I, 
I say this correctly. Um, oh, it speaks of their, them being very tenacious beings. Now, I have never done this, but I probably the next time it happens, I will watch this meticulously. Watch an eagle when a storm comes. When other birds are flying away from the storm for fear, an eagle spreads its mighty wings and uses the current to soar to greater heights. <laughs> I did not know this. But man, you can, I have all kinds of thoughts firing off here. So the eagle takes advantage of the very storm that lesser birds fear and head for cover. You think about it. The storm has, has stronger winds. Things are moving, but, but eagle-like maneuvering says get in the storm because the, the wind is much, much higher and you'll be able to soar to greater heights. We need to use our storms Use the times of waiting to, to allow the Lord to get us in this mounting up within our spirit to soar above and go higher. That's an element of grace in there too. Pretty amazing lessons from the eagle. <laughs> I saw it, but I can't remember. They are, they, they, I know their wingspan was massive, like seven feet or something. Five, eight maybe on a good day. Yeah, that is, that is, I can't even imagine. Now, you think about the prey that we're taking on in warfare. Are they much bigger than us? They could be. So, I mean, there's warfare terms there, too. Now, I'm going to quickly trans, well, let me, let me list these benefits. Benefit number three, running and not being weary. That is humanly an impossibility. Remember, we're talking about spiritual things. So that, that, that speaks to me about acceleration and speed in the wind, in the breath of the Lord. Um, walking and not fainting. And then I, I've added this one as another benefit. He gives power to the faint. Benefit six, those that have no might, what does he do? He increases strength. And then he brings in this principle of the youth, the use. He said they faint, they become weary. Young men fall, and fall there means they totter or they waver back and forth through the weakness of the legs, especially the ankle. So I started thinking about the ankle issue that I had, and I'm still having it a little bit today. It's not as bad, but I know that that had something to do with fulfillment. Now, I'm going to quickly go through some of these other things. We're not going to... So in, in, in Exodus 33, we all know the story and the encounter that Moses had with God. Now, I had not really felt directed to look at the context. So one day, I'm just studying, and all of a sudden, I felt like I needed to go and look at what prompted Moses to say, show me your glory. So I started in verse 1. If you look at the conditions that are going on in the spiritual environment, the people are being identified as stiff-necked. And that's the whole context of this. Then it leads into, okay, God says, okay, they're stiff-necked. They don't want to do this, but, you know. Then he in, in, introduces the face-to-face -face friendship uh, uh, relationship here. I think he's doing this on purpose to let us know, no matter what's going on in the spiritual environment, I still want a face-to-face -face friendship with you and me. I kept reading, okay. Now, Moses asking, show me your glory, was the second request in this whole context because the first request, he says, is found in Exodus 33, verses 12 and 13. Moses said to the Lord, See thou hast unto me, bring up this people, but you haven't let me know who uh, thou wilt send with me. Yet you've said, I know you by name, and I've found grace in your sight. Therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in your sight, Show, or yada, to me your Derek. Show me your pathway that I may know thee. Look at that. He's asking for the pathway to be known, not so he can go out and just shout it from the mountaintops and have mega churches all over the United States of America. He's saying, so I can know you. Relational. That's, that's important, too. 
And then he goes through a whole sequence here. I'm not going to go into all of that. But I do want to start with Moses' second request. When he asked, show me your glory, he's, that is ra'ah. He said, ra'ah unto me, your glory. Now, ra'ah, we should know God has the ability to look at the tobe and the raw. He's given us that capability as well. So Moses, Moses doesn't really know what to ask in this context he's asking for one thing but he gets a whole new different answer from god here how do we know that well he's we already know god says he's not going to show anybody his glory it's just not going to happen we also know in here that he said i'm not going to let you raw on my face because no man can see and live now Pastors talked about that there's no there's no contradiction here. There's been others that have seen God's face. So that's not the issue here. The issue is in the midst of a spiritual environment that is stiff-necked or whatever it might be for you, just know that God still wants a face-to-face encounter and just know that you need to ask for to him to show you the pathway, but you might be asking the wrong type of questions in the midst of all of that like Moses because we'll see in a moment this was not to show him the kabod <laughs> it was not <laughs> you see how we can misinterpret things or even we're, we're, we're still kind of in this all asking we can ask for the wrong things and God still I mean he didn't reprimand Moses at all he realized Hey, he's, he's not quite getting it yet. I felt that way the last seven weeks because before this thing ever happened, I knew that I was entering into a season of being able to eventually have a greater understanding of the, the aha, her parts, the back parts of God. That's where I knew this thing was headed. started reaching out to Pastor. Hey, listen, I, I know this is coming. And I even tried to teach some of this to the Brazilian people and had a kind of a hard time getting it out and explaining it to them to the point they said, hey, can we stop, maybe cover this in another I said, absolutely. So even my understanding with that was kind of limited. That's where I told you I had a challenge with scriptures. I'm telling you right now, I do no longer have a challenge with that by virtue of what I'm getting ready to share with you. Remember, we're waiting on the plan. So when Moses says in Exodus 33, 18, show me your glory, Yahweh says he's going to allow all of his goodness or tobe to pass before him. There, there's, there's some I wills in here. That was the first one. He said, next, I'm going to proclaim the name of Yahweh before you. Okay, let's back up here just for a minute. So Moses is saying, show me your glory. Look at God's answer to him. God's telling him, this is what I want to show you in this encounter that you're having with me. All my hope is going to pass before you. And the word for pass pass, uh, before you is abar, and it means to... uh, uh, to cross over and it can mean to cover not cover like cover up but cover you or envelop you in that is important as we go through this and then he said i'm going to proclaim i'm going to kara call out i'm going to address the name of my plan before you and then he talks about bringing in i'm going to be gracious i'm going to raham um mercy on whom I will show or raham mercy. And then he says this, you cannot ra'ah my face in verse 20. He said, you can't ra'ah my face for there shall no man ra'ah me and be able to live. Now, this next part right here, I learned so much. 
and I and I've catered and this is different on your page. I, I made this change last night on the plane, printed it out early this morning. Mine says place, positioning, and placement in the waiting on the fulfillment of God. The first thing that I want to mention about is Yahweh said to Moses, There's a place by me. This is a real place in Yahweh. It's, it's focused on the plan. It's by him. Every single one of you has a place. Now, you may not know you're there. You, it may not be a, a time frame for you to be in this place right now. It, it, I can't determine that for you. I know that I've been there, but I, I want you to know that this place is a specific location within the Lord for every single one of us. It's individualized. It's customized by virtue of where we are in his plan. Does that make sense? And it is a real place in him. So, if you look at it, now, Later on, we're going to find out that this is a place that's bored out for us. <laughs> when you bore something out, I mean, you're going in. You're not skimming the surface here. I mean, he's taking you in real deep, and that's the point. It represents depth. It represents it's very personal. Boy, has this, this time frame been that for, for me? And it, maybe, maybe you're going through this. I'm just trying to describe what it felt, feels like for me. And then he says, when I, when I, once you've identified this place in me, then there's this positioning upon a rock. And we all know that rock, it represents Christ, the anointed son that was with them in the wilderness, and what are we be what are we what are we assigned to do there? We are we just supposed to just just lounge around there and kind of relax and you know just take our you know learn nothing while we're there, you know, it's just sit back on the uh, old board rock there and our placement. No, no, it says you got to do something there. We stand. Nasab, we're stationed there upon that rock. So there's work in this place. Man, this stuff is, I cannot, I, 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 okay, now let's get on to the next thing. The thing is, he says, and it shall come to pass when my glory is a barring. Now, so the, the, the glory that he said, you cannot, I'm not giving you the ability at this time. That's key. Not that we can't ever see like the face of God. We know that we, we can. It's just at this time frame. There's not a focus on my face. That's key. It's not a focal point of the, the, the turning of the face. Because this is in him. The bored out place for us in the depth of who he is. And he says, when, when, when my glory abars, it means to, it's a crossover, but really it's, it's the covering, to cover. When it passes by, then I'm going to put you, soon, there's the placement in the cleft of the rock. Now, the cleft there, that's where I'm getting this term. This is what it means. The root word means to bore. Who's doing the boring here? Not us. The bored out place by him for us. Remember, he's doing a lot of work here. I will do this. I will do that. And we'll touch on that here in just a minute, hopefully. And then it brings us to, I'm writing a lot more about this, this being bored out there and what, what it feels like, what it looks like, um, and what he's trying to reveal in that time frame. You know what? Because the next thing he does is he, we, we come to this point where we need to discern the purpose of, of the covering of the hand. So important. I've never... Pastors taught on this stuff, okay? But he... And it's great. It's great. But when you walk it out, I mean, 
a lot of times he's walking it out himself and he shares it with us, but you, you, you're on the same page. But it, some of it makes sense. And it's not that he's confusing. I'm just saying when you're walking through it, you get it. When you're not, you're going, hmm? just give it some time, wait, because weeks later or months later, <laughs> your time's coming. This is one of those instances I had never really thought about. I, again, I was on the, ro- on the road to prayer one morning with the sparrows, and this, these things are coming. And he said, this is really a discerning of the purpose of my hand. Because the hand represents a lot of things in Scripture, right? It's not just, here it's wide open for you, or it's, if, you, if, you, if you turn it over, it has a different purpose. If it's extended to you, that means something different, stretched out. So in this instance, it's the hand of covering. Now, he, and he says it this way, I will cover, and here's the Greek, the, the Hebrew word, it means to entwine as a screen or to fence in, to cover over, and it's, a, it's used for protection. Just keeping things out, right? You're, man, this is a deep place in his heart. I mean, a deep place, but it's by him. <laughs> Who's leading this? Yahweh. So we're right there in the thick middle, bored in with his plan. Watching, well, waiting on his glory to pass by. And then he covers us. Now, the covering of the hand, though, I had never thought of this. If I, if, if we were, if I had a giant hand and I covered you, obviously one thing that you would not be able to do is to see anything, okay? But on the plane ride back home last night, he said, that's really not the case. Because remember what's on my, the palms of my hands? Here's the scripture. <laughs> Isaiah 49. Can a woman forget her suckling child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may, they may forget, yet I will not forget thee. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palm, the cop, the hollow of the part of the hand uh, of my hands. Your walls are content. Thy walls are continually before me. So when we are in this place, the hand that has our, we're engraving upon, what's, what's engraved there? We're looking at our creator, and I believe that part of that engraving is speaking about our identity in Him. There's other things too, but it had me thinking along that. So yeah, you can't see what you can't see, right? He's saying you can't see my glory while it's passing by. So notice there's a twofold thing. There's really a manifold thing of going on here. But one of the things that I'm looking at now is while I'm in that, yes, I couldn't see, but I was able to discern the hand facing me showing me do you see the engraving <laughs> i never ever thought about that that is so so powerful and in the midst of us well we could have been fretting and going moses probably was thinking well where's the glory i need to see the kabod i need to see the kabod and all that time he's seeing the palm of the hand with engravings on it about who he is his identity in the lord it says it's on both hands it's not the open hand, see, right here. It's not like this where it's empty. We, we know that part of the hand, too. The hand ha- is multifaceted. If you turn it over, it can cover. If you do this, it's empty. You do that, he says, it's a, there's an engraving there. And if you look at the engraving there in the Hebrew, it means to hack. It's like taking a chisel. I mean, and it goes, when you chisel something off of a tablet or anything, it takes time. It's meticulous. It goes deep. Just some, some things to think about there that I hadn't thought about. And so on my hand out here, I've got, can anything be seen on the hand while, it, while it's covering us in the cleft of the rock? What is engraved, written on the palm? Nothing. Our names, our identities. So the placement of the covering is part of the plan. It's a major part of it. We cannot remove this part. If we do, we short-circuit the, the progression to be able to see the back parts 
of what, what God's done. Now, we're going we're gonna to conclude with that. Now, this is the next thing. Remember, when any movement begins with the removal of the hand, that's where the tobe comes in. That's where all the tobe comes in for you at that precise moment. Even the slightest crack. What, do you, what, do you, what is your spirit picking up on and grasping? Eternal purpose that's that's by. And man, it has been a constant barrage every single day about this. Man, it's just wafting and covering me. And I and I'm 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 being a benefactor of it, going, Lord, I've never seen this before, but it's so incredible to experience in you. And it's the same way for you as well. So discerning the removal of the, of the hand of covering is important too. Then the next verse kicks in. So he says in that, he says, I will take away the covering. Now, the word take away there is sewer, not the one. There's two different sewers in the Hebrew. This one is the one to turn off. It's the one for turning off uh, raw. In this case, he says, the covering is not going to remain there forever. I'm going to turn that covering off that's been protective to you, that's fenced you in very deeply in this bored-out place, and it's time for that to be turned off. And when, that, when he turns that covering off, that's when the toe just starts to overflow from behind, and you begin to really partake of that. Does that make sense? I'm not trying to be confusing. And then that goes into the next verse, Exodus 33:23, And when that happens, you will be able to ra'ah my back parts. And that's the ahur. That, that means, it's not referring to the back at all, but means backward in the rear. And Pastor shared this on one of the uh, last Exodus 33 teaching, where he said this word also a Hebrew word for history. And he said the next thing he said, triggered in me it says it, it can mean to look back to see what god is doing or reviewing what has happened when when he goes forward his glory we don't see it start just be manifested in our spirit and in our mind what we're doing is we're looking back at what he he's accomplished in a fulfilling way we're reviewing and we're recipients of all the tobe for that time frame. It's not that we're taking in all the eternal tobe. It's for that time frame. It's for that experience. It's for that encounter. That is incredible. <laughs> and so I started, and I'm not going to go through all of these. I'm, I'm going to end with... I felt directed to put together a list of things that Yahweh will cause, cause to happen. And you got that there. There's seven of them. So you, if you want to align it, you can. And then on the last page, I put together some of our responsibilities. These are principles that I've learned over the last seven weeks. And I'll mention the first two. We have to trust the process of Yahweh. Trust it all the way through. If you ask for the removal of the hand, guess what's going to happen? You're not going to be able to look back. You're not going to be able to review. So trust it. Trust the plan of Yahweh. Recognize our placement. Stand on the rock. Be content with being in the cleft of the rock. I mean, don't be trying to squirm out of there. Pastor said, you, you can't leap out of there. You can't jump out of there. We can, but there's that tendency to want to do it. But knowing, remember, what's on that hand? You can see, you, can, you can't see the glory. See, he never chastised Moses asking the wrong thing. Moses was human just like us. We do this all the time. We know this. I will supply all of your need. But, boy, we think we know our need, right? God says, no, you don't. This is what you need right now. 
I'm just saying. I've, I've, I've been there seven weeks going, Lord, I was so mad at the unemployment office. I'm just telling you, I was so upset, so frustrated day to day going, I'm not here. I went through all of this while I was in the cleft of the rock. While I wasn't seeing, there's some, sometimes where you're not seeing anything. I, I didn't even know four, five, six weeks into it, I didn't know the, the, the graving that was on his hand, even though I'm there with him. I couldn't see it until I started looking back and the tobe starts wafting over me and covering me. So you got to know the hollow hand's purpose is for covering in this case. you got to discern the fulfillment of what Yahweh's doing. Reflection is necessary to learn, learn what Yahweh's doing. Review and look back at what Yahweh's doing. And remember, Pastor said this too, and I've jotted this down as a, as a reverberation. You will not know everything that's happening in the midst of these encounters. Focus on what you are being allowed to ra'ah. He said it wasn't that Moses could not ra'ah. He just was ra'ahing the wrong thing. I want to know your glory. And people are asking. People sing about it. Show me your glory. God's like, ain't doing it. Why are you singing about it? Seriously, I, I will never think about that phrase again the way I used to. I'm not saying anything wrong with it, but people, when they're, when they're saying that in the context, God's saying, that's not what I'm trying to do here. <laughs> it's just revolutionary when you think of it like that. Focus on that. Yahweh will allow us to experience only what he allows. So there you have it. So um, I've gone over a little bit. So, I just want to pray real quick and just declare some things over us on 9-11. I think that's very significant. You know, on that day, there was a lot of destruction and death and violence, and that's still going on today. But on this day, one of the characteristics of being an eagle and mounting wings is an eagle has tremendous vitality, life, extending life remember the the how what they go through whenever they're getting ready to get when they're getting older they go and they they seclude themselves away when we feel like we need to be re-energized and we need to come alive or need life we go to him and be re-energized that's our place in him and i believe this place that's so deeply by him is where we go for this because it's done everything, everything I mentioned and more here. So, Lord, thank you for the opportunity in, of, of serving your plan. Lord, when we don't even know what the plan is, in the midst of all the challenges we face, help us all to never these powerful principles here. I bless your people, and we speak life and peace into our lives, into the life of this church, the network, and the entire United States of America, all 50 states and all the international places across the country, Lord. May the spirit of life, prophecy, and healing be known as we move forward together. And I ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.